Jesus, you are alive. You conquered the grave. You conquered sin and death. Even when it seemed like all was lost and all seemed bleak, the true king had one more miraculous move to make. We're so humbled that you endure such suffering for us and that we be raised to life with you. Lord, we celebrate your resurrection not only last week at Easter, but every week, and we wholeheartedly today and beyond don't want to lose sight of the glorious reality of your resurrection in us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And we had a uh, resurrection uh, party last week celebrating at Easter. And we said during that time that uh, we were going to do some giveaways. And so that's what we did uh, last service. We had you fill out uh, things that could fit in a plastic Easter egg. And I wanted to let you know who won that. The Zelenskys won us, the members. They said they wanted to have uh, a, a zip drive of photos of their family. Uh, so we got that taken care of there for them. And then we had a new person say that they wanted a surprise. And our judges really liked that they said they let it be determined on us. And so uh, we gave them a gift card for a date night out. So I wanted to let you know about that as we're celebrating the resurrection this week also. Our shorter catechism question is going to come up on the screen, and we've been going through this uh, each week as we go through each question. And the question number two is, what rule has God given uh, to direct us, and how to glorify and enjoy him? And it's the word of God, which consists of the scriptures, the Old and New Testaments, and is the only rule to direct us on how to glorify and enjoy him. And I'm so grateful that we have the word of God. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going we're gonna to open them this morning. We're going to learn from the Word of God. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, you can get one out in the information station. We'd love for you to have one, the very Word of God. We've been going through this year uh, a series on the three great loves because we want to be a church that makes disciples that makes disciples. And we've defined a disciple as someone who is a follower of Jesus who loves Jesus, who loves one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and loves the lost. And we're excited each week to, to focus on how we can love Jesus more, how we can love one another more, how we can uh, love the lost more. And so this morning, the point is, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you have your study with you, we're on page 47 of the study. If you don't have one, you can grab one near you. This will really help you as you grow in your faith. And there's a personal study in there. If you haven't been doing that, I encourage you to do that. Uh, if you love me, you'll keep my uh, commandments. And so we're going to uh, jump right in here to God's word. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And uh, he is comforting them because they know that he's about to leave. They know that he's going to die. He's going to leave earth. And they don't know what to do because they've been hanging around him for, for now three years. And so he's comforting them. And he promises the Holy Spirit to help us to obey what he commands. It says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? 
Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So the point of you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We can read that a couple different ways. We can read it one way like, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Or we could read it like, if, if you love me, then of course you'll, you'll keep my commandments. See, so when we love something, we're willing to do all kinds of different things because we love that thing. I remember growing up, and still do love sports, but I remember growing up thinking, I'm going to be a professional athlete. doesn't matter what sport, basketball, baseball, football, doesn't matter. I'm going to be a professional athlete. I remember doing all kinds of things because I love sports so much. I remember going out in the snow growing up in New Hampshire and just taking my baseball bat and just pretending like I was hitting, practicing my swinging. I remember taking a baseball or a football and going out late at night, past midnight, and just throwing the ball up against the wall because no one was there to play catch with me. I remember going in my room and just before I went to sleep, taking my football and throwing it up to the ceiling, just practicing spirals. Why was I doing all this all the time? Because I was obsessively in love with sports. And, and because of that, I was willing to do all kinds of different things. And as we're commanded to, to follow the commands, those will be far more powerful in our life when we realize the power of love. And I want you to hear me clearly in this, because I don't want to fall into a works-based thing. See, our command, the commandments are there so that we express our enjoyment in Jesus. The commandments are not there for us to follow so that we earn his love. You see the difference? We follow the commandments to express our enjoyment. We don't follow the commandments to earn his love. And we see that all throughout scripture. And I'm going to show you a quick survey of some scriptures so that you're convinced that we're not trying to earn his love by following commandments. First is in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's not of our works. You'll see this pattern here, this theme here, that it's his works, not our works. It's his righteousness, not our righteousness. In John 3, 16, it takes our belief, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish or have eternal life. In Romans chapter 10, it's about confessing and about believing. It's about the work that he does in our life. In Revelation 3, 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I'll come in with him and dine with him and he with me. It's about us opening our heart to Jesus, not about us following the commands so that he loves us. In, in John, uh, chapter four, it, it, um, John chapter 5, it talks about us truly believing is how we experience his grace and mercy. The same thing in Acts chapter 16. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's by believing in the grace and mercy of Jesus. And so we see that all throughout Scripture, that we're not trying to earn our way to heaven by following his commands. But we believe that God is the ultimate joy giver. He's not a joy stealer. And so he gives us these commandments. He gives us these commands so that we can find more joy, not less joy. He gives us these commands so that when we fall after him and we're enjoying him, we get to express that enjoyment by following his commands. And I, I want to show that in a practical way this morning. So what I need is I need a guy whose spouse is not in this room right now that will be willing to help me out. 
All right, Schwinghammer, you, this is what happens when you sit in the front row. Thanks for coming up here. Come on, John. Tanya's not in here. So this is what I'm going to do. And I had Samantha Corley uh, pick this out for me because I thought it would be bad for a guy to pick it out because what do we know? So this is what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff to give to Tanya. And you can come up with whatever, whatever story you want to come up with. It's up, totally up to you. So here's some flowers. Here's a uh, gift card to Preserve Restaurant and a therapy fizzy bomb gift set. I don't know, but a, a woman picked it out, so it's got to be good. All right, so there you go. You can give that to Tanya when you, when you see her. Um, she's serving right now, right? So she might be a little suspicious, but <coughs> that's all right. Now, he's going to give those things to her to express his love to her, not to earn love. I mean, when he gives those to Tanya, he's not going to say, hey, here, here's some flowers and here's a gift card because I want you to love me more. No, he's giving those as an expression of his love along with whatever story he's going to make up to, to, to make it sound really romantic, uh, that he had planted it at church so he could give it to her later on. You see, you see we, we follow commandments because, because we love him, but he first loved us. And we're really incapable of following commandments on our own. And doesn't Jesus say that here? He said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with me forever, the spirit of truth. Now, this would have been radical for his disciples to hear. Because the disciples certainly had heard about the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only given temporarily, or was only given to certain people. And now we see that Jesus is saying it's going to be given to everyone. It's going to be given to you fully. And here's what the counselor means. It's going to be someone that prays for you, someone that intercedes for you, someone that helps you, someone that guides you, someone that's going to live inside you, that even though I'm going away, you're going to get someone better. And he is going to help you to obey the commandments. I mean, what an amazing truth that is, is that we can enjoy him more because he allows us to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit if we're believers in Christ. Paul says in Philippians Three, he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Is there anybody in here that grew up in a Christian home that really has known Jesus their entire life? Anybody in here? Yeah, a lot of you, a lot of you. Now, this can be really, really difficult for you. See, I was rebellious for 21 years, so I know what it's like to have life outside of Christ and I know it always, even if there's temporary fun, it always leads to permanent despair. There's always emptiness. But if you grow up in a Christian home, and all you know is Jesus, and you know the joy of following Jesus, there's always that temptation, right, to think, hmm, what's on the other side of not following Christ? And it seems like some people that don't follow Christ are having a lot of fun. Maybe I should try that. There's always that temptation. But Paul says no. There is nothing better. And he would have known, right? He spent a lot of his life not following Jesus, but then he has a radical conversion. He comes to know Jesus. And because of that, he knows that Jesus is the ultimate uh, joy giver, that he gives us commands so that we can enjoy him and follow after him more. See, there's a big difference between religion and being gospel-centered. See, if you're religious, you believe that the bad news really isn't that bad, and the good news is definitely not for the bad people. It's just for the good people to get a little bit better. But if you're gospel-centered, what you believe is that you're far worse than you could even imagine. Cheer up, right? It's great news. 
You're way worse than you could ever imagine. And some of you don't believe that right now. So we're going to take a little test this morning. I'm going to see how you're doing with the Ten Commandments. Let's see how I'm doing with the Ten Commandments. All right, the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Man, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I constantly put other things before God, namely myself before God. I'm not doing real good with that one. How about you should not use the Lord's name in vain? Really, you never done that before? Ever hit your hand with a hammer or anything? Ever done that? Yeah, not real good. How about honor your father and mother? Students, how you doing with that this morning? Some of you did not even do it this morning, right? You woke up, your parents told you to get ready for church, and you said, yeah, I don't want it. I want to sleep in. You did it, right? You're not even following it this morning. Now, some of you are looking at that list and thinking, ha-ha, yes, the next one I've got, at least for most of you, right? <laughs> Do not murder. Mm. Jesus always raises the standard. And Jesus said that if you even call a person raka, if you even call a person a jerk, then you've committed murder in your heart. Anybody ever call anybody else a jerk? I think I did it yesterday. Yeah. How about you shall not commit adultery? Well, Jesus said that even if you have a lustful thought in your mind, you commit adultery. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty terrible. Doing pretty terrible. I look at that list and see all the ways that I go against his commandments each and every day. I'm doing pretty bad. And I think if you were honest with yourself, you would realize you're not doing very good either. See, you're way worse than you think you are. But the good news is, when you follow the gospel, is that the good news is far better than you could ever imagine. See, what Jesus did by coming on, uh, coming on this earth as a seeking and saving Savior for you and I, because we obviously need it, right? We need it. He came on this earth to redeem us. He came on this earth to live a perfect life. He came on this earth to die an excruciating death on the cross for all the ways you and I broke those commandments. And he rose from the dead victorious so that we could have eternal life if we'd put our faith and trust in him. And you could put your faith in him right in your seat. Just like all these 23 people that got rescued this past week, you can do the same by just telling God that you've fallen short. You haven't followed these commands. You can't save yourself. You need Jesus to come into your life. You can just tell him right in your seat. And if you do that, please mark it on your card so we can help you grow in your faith. If you need help with trusting in Jesus, come and see uh, somebody on the prayer team. See me after the service. We would love to help you with that. See, religious people believe that Jesus plus obedience equals everything. That, yeah, I can have Jesus, but as long as I'm more and more obedient, then he'll love me more and more. Where the gospel says that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and that everything includes obedience. That because he loved us first, we're going to want to love him. We're going to want to obey him more, but our salvation is not dependent on that. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Many of us think, and I thought this for a long time, that if I obeyed his commandments, my life would be so boring. My life was so fun. I was partying all the time, doing all this stuff that really led to emptiness. But if I followed what God's word said, oh gosh, it would be terrible. Because many people in this community and around the world believe that God is the joy stealer. But he's the joy giver. I want to give an example of how we feel about evil and how we feel about things that, that don't follow his commands. I've heard that when young girls first start wearing lipstick, they like to see what it looks like. And there was a, a school that 
this middle school where these girls were doing that. They wanted to see what their lipstick looked like, so they kept kissing the mirror on the bathroom. And so it got filled with all these lip prints of lipstick, and the principal was getting sick and tired of the janitor having to go in there and clean it and clean it and clean it. So the principal, who happened to be a woman, called some of these girls together and said, girls, I want you to see how tough it is to clean this mirror. So they brought him into the, the bathroom, brought the janitor into the bathroom. She said, Mr. Johnson, I want you to show the girls how tough it is to clean those mirrors. And so Mr. Johnson took his mop, dipped it into a dirty toilet, and put it on the mirror. Guess what never happened again? They never kissed that mirror because they saw how awful and dirty it actually was. That's the way it is with us in evil and sin is that it looks tempting. We want to kiss that evil. But when we really see how awful and terrible it is, we'll want to run from it. And that's what God's commands do for us. They show us what evil actually is and help us to run from it so that we can experience his goodness and his grace even more. And it's tough to do, and Jesus knew it would be tough to do, and that's why he sent his Holy Spirit to both the disciples and to us. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but, but you will see me. Because I, because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. See, his love for us both proceeds and follows. See, many of us think that we love Jesus first. You know, we're the one that took that step, but that's not really true, is it? I mean, he always loves us first. He always gives us a chance to come to know him first. And then when we love him, when we put our faith in him, then he continues to show his love even when we go astray. And Judas, who wasn't the traitor, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent, who sent me. And for the action step this week, the action step is pray, Holy Spirit, help me to love Jesus more today. And at the beginning of the year, we did a series about the four chairs of discipleship. And when we did that, we talked about what each chair was. And if you weren't here for it, I'll quickly review it. The first chair was come and see. And we're so thankful at Good News. There's every week there are people that are not believers that come here. And if you're like that this morning, we're so glad that you're here. But it's tough for you to obey what God's commands are because you don't truly know God. And that's why every week we proclaim the gospel so you have a chance to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior so you can come and see the goodness that can only be found in him. And once you do that, you go to chair two, and chair two is to follow Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, you realize that his law and his commands that he gives are good. See, the law reveals right and wrong, but it's powerless to actually make us follow it. I mean, we see that in everyday life, right? I mean, many of you go up and down this little road right here called I-95. And on I-95, there's signs. This could be shocking to some of you. That say 7-0 on them. Do you know what that is? It's the speed limit. I'm convinced there's not one soul in St. John's County that goes 70 miles an hour on that road. See, the sign is the law. 
But does it have any power to stop you from going faster than that? I mean, that poor sign, you're driving by at 85 miles an hour, and it's like, ah, it's 70, slow down. No, it doesn't have any power, does it? It's just a sign. It's just there to reveal the law to you, whether you follow it or not. It's powerless to, to make you do that. And it's the same thing with God's law. The same thing with God's commandments. It's there to show you that, yes, you fall short. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you need Jesus, but it's powerless to actually help you keep it. And that's why the action step is to pray, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to love Jesus more. I need the power and the strength of your spirit to be able to do it. I'm powerless without it. I'd like to think of the story of the rancher who's trying to keep all of his cattle together. See, if you were going to try to keep your cattle on your property, what would you do? Yeah, you put up a fence. I heard you put up a fence, of course. But in the Australian outback, when you have 40 square miles of property, it's really not practical to put up a fence. It's too expensive to do that. So what do the ranchers in the Australian outback do to keep their cattle together? Well, in the middle of the desert, they dig a, they dig a ditch where fresh water springs up, and that's a, a scarce commodity in the middle of the desert, and all the cattle have to come back to the well. And that's what the law and the commands of Jesus are like. They are good. They're good for us. He's the joy giver. They're refreshing. When we follow it, we're blessed. And he doesn't want to put up fences around us. He wants us to experience the refreshment, the joy, the peace of following after him. And so when we follow after Jesus, we realize that his commands are good. And we ask the Holy Spirit to please help me to follow them. And so we encourage you this week to spend time with him in his word, to get into the studies that we provide for you so that you can experience what it's like to really follow him and experience the goodness of following after his commands. Then we get into chair three, where we fish for men, where we're becoming workers of Christ. And then chair four is uh, when you become a disciple that's making, dis making disciples that they, in turn, make disciples. And if any of you are around me any amount of time, you know there's one thing I really like to talk about, and that's my wife, Christy. She's amazing. She makes a budget work uh, for, for three kids on a pastor's salary. She always comes home with creative things to eat. She always uh, is taking care of our family. She's the most hilarious person I've ever met in my life. I am completely blessed, and I am way outshot my coverage, right? She's way out of my league, and I'm so thankful for her, and I'm glad to talk about her because of all the ways that I've been affected by her presence. And it's the same thing with all of us for, for Jesus. All of us have experienced the goodness of being with Jesus if you're a believer in him. You've experienced that you've been set free from your sin. You've been, you were a slave to your sin, and now you're set free. Now you know his righteousness. So we should be so motivated to tell others about it. That it should just overflow in us, the love that we have for Jesus. But it doesn't always come naturally, does it? I mean... There are times where it certainly doesn't overflow in me. The times where it does is where I'm getting to know him more, where I'm getting to see, wow, thank you, God, for your law, for your commandment to point me to Jesus, to help me to follow you more. Thank you for your word, your very word, so I can know you more. I want to get to know you more. Lord, help me to spend time with you. And that's what happened here with these disciples. As we look at this one last time before we close, we see here in John chapter 13 that Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. He's serving his disciples, and he's telling about 
what's going to happen to him on the cross. And he's comforting them that even though he's going to leave, he's going to send um, the Holy Spirit. And so as the disciples are thinking through this, there are some things that come their way. There are some thoughts that come out in these scriptures. First, they see that Jesus' death is near, so they start thinking about their own death. They think if this person that is supposed to be the king, supposed to be the king of the Jews, supposed to be the ones that takes over the kingdom, he's going to die? Well, then we need to worry about our own death. And then they start worrying about their daily problems, too, about who's going to provide for us, who's going to take care of us, <coughs> excuse me, who's going to help us. They worry about all those things. And then they start thinking about their own disobedience all the ways they didn't follow the scriptures, all the ways, even though Jesus was with them, that they, they fall short. And Jesus comforts them through all of it. He basically says, pray to the Holy Spirit. Help them to love, help, help, help them to love you more through the power of the Spirit. He tells them to, to meditate on the truth, to come to Jesus, to come to the Holy Spirit. And that's the same thing that, that we should all do. Throughout this week, as we realize how good his commandments really are, that we should fall more in love with him, fall more in love with his word and meditate on his truth. If we're anxious about things that are happening in our life, and many of you are anxious about lots of things, life can be really difficult, and it's very easy to worry and be anxious about stuff. I find myself like that all the time. When we find ourselves like that, we need to realize that the power of the Holy Spirit is on us as believers. Do you realize that? That if you're a believer in Jesus, you get to tap in to the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the counselor who's able to help you through all things. So no matter what you're going through, he's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He has a plan for you in your life, and we need to give our worries and our anxiety to him. And it's, it's a lot easier to say than to actually do, right? And so that's why step by step is when you find yourself like that, go to God's word. Go to prayer, pick up your study, spend some time with him, and realize the goodness of spending time with him. And just like the disciples got released from their shame of disobedience, we can be released from that too. Because even though, like this morning, we look at the Ten Commandments, we realize how short we fall. Every single commandment we break. So many ways we don't follow his word. And instead of falling into shame and despair about those things, we can rejoice because as believers in Christ, we're not seen as train wrecks, knuckleheads that don't follow after Jesus. We're seen as, as heirs of the kingdom. We're, we're brothers and sisters with Jesus. That's how God the Father sees us. And so we want to be reminded of that this week. I know I want to. So pray, Holy Spirit, help me to love you more. Remember, we're not trying to earn his love by following commandments. We're expressing our enjoyment of all the ways that he loves us. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are good. Lord, you are so good. Your love, your mercy, your peace, your commands, they are good. Help us to follow you because you are the joy giver. We need your help, Father. We need your help, Son. We need your help, Holy Spirit. We often think we know best, and we often follow our own commands. Lord, show us the error of our ways and lead us to the truth and the life of your way. In Jesus' name, amen.